On this episode of Bootstrappers, we're going to talk about how to set your kids up for success with a self-directed IRA and their own rental properties. We're going to talk with Miranda Boland, who's done this for her children. That's on this episode of Bootstrappers. This is the Bootstrapper Show for property management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business. Welcome to Bootstrappers, where we talk about topics that are important to real estate and property management entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen, here with my spouse, Jeremy Aspen. And today we're going to talk to Miranda Bolin of Christian Property Management in West Virginia about how she has set up her kids for success. She has made it so her kids are contributing to a self-directed IRA, and one of her children even has two mobile homes in his portfolio, and they're nine and 15. (laughs) So on top of the fact that she's an incredible mom and teaching her kids about real estate, she also has one of the most incredible bootstrapping stories I've ever heard. So we're really looking forward to talking to Miranda later in the show. Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. Go to anaquim.net today and set up a discovery call. We can help you with any of your labor needs. Um, Anaquim can support you in finding awesome virtual assistants from Mexico that can support your business in any kind of back office support. We help businesses small, medium size, you name it, in the property management business, in another business We got you covered. Go to anaquim.net today and set up a discovery call to see how our amazingly professional virtual assistants can support your business. Welcome to the show, Miranda. Thank you. Um, We are super excited to have you on. Your story, you kind of told me very briefly uh, while we were at the Property Management Mastermind Conference about how you got started in the industry. But do you mind telling everybody about how you got started? Well, whenever I started college, I was a freshman in college. I actually took out a student loan and used my student loan money to buy a mobile home park. Oh, wow. Oh, my okay. gosh. Uh, but, but illegal? Even... <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was be- a long time ago. <laughs> but before that, Miranda, you worked at a property management company, right? Was it? I did. When I was 15, I started out painting, cleaning, and shampooing apartments. Oh, wow eight-unit apartment complex. So I started from the bottom and worked my way up. And then you saw, like, weren't you in the accounting department? And you're like, hey, this is a pretty good business to be in. Well, when the managers would go on vacation, they would ask me to fill in. So whenever I was filling in in the office and I seen all the rent money coming in, I was like, I'm on the wrong side of this. I need to be (laughs) over on this side and not cleaning apartments. (laughs) So was that the moment when you decided you were going to be an entrepreneur? It was. And, and then you, uh, so you graduate from high school, you go to college and was it right when you started college that you started buying rental properties? Yes, it was right when I started my first semester. So I was working full-time, taking full-time classes and managing a mobile home park. Wow. How are you going to school without all, with all that money being uh, dumped into your uh, mobile community? Well, I was just saving it up because when I first bought the mobile home park, it was a small mobile home park. It was only six mobile homes and had a couple of buildings. So all the money that was coming in from that, I was just saving it and turning around and reinvesting the money back into the mobile home park. So I kept developing the property. Oh, cool. That's so, a cool 
Yeah. <laughs> so did you make that like a bigger mobile home park over time? I did. So I ended up making that into a 12 unit. That's all the land I had. So it ended up being 12 units by the time I got done with it. And I just sold it a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so you have this mobile home park, you're going to college. Then what happened in your career to really build this into a property management company? So I started listening to podcasts and going to classes and surrounding myself with people that were doing things that I wanted to do. So I started hearing that people were buying properties, building equity, cashing out and taking the equity and buying more properties. At that point, I had so much equity built up in the property. I refinanced and then I bought an apartment complex. Oh, I just kept building from there. Okay. So you're on both sides. Do you do do third-party property management as well? I do. Oh, okay. Anything to do with real estate, I'm involved. That's great. And then one of the other things that really intrigued me about you is how you were getting your kids involved in real estate. So tell us about that. So my kids are nine and 15, and I started them both last year with a self-directed IRA. So I'm trying to teach them that they can be an entrepreneur as well. And I have bought a couple of mobile homes for my son and his IRA. And my daughter, we had some issues with the name, which we can talk about later. So she's just built up cash. So she has more cash. She has more assets than his. Huh. So the IRA, I was digging into this because I had never heard of, I had never even thought about setting my kids up with an IRA. And so they have to like save money from working to, to put it in the IRA, correct? They do. It has to be earned income before you can make contributions to an IRA. So for your nine-year-old, how are you, what, what kind of things is she doing to put money in the IRA? So my nine-year-old is my son, and he does little things like stuffing envelopes. I send out yellow letters to people saying, hey, I want to buy your property. So he'll help stuff the envelopes, put stamps on them. He draws a lot of things for my advertisement. He doesn't care to go to a property and help pick up trash and do little things like that or help clean the office. So I give him little chores like that to do to earn income. Does he get a, do you give him a W-2? Or are you just writing it down? Because it doesn't have to be that that formal, correct? Correct. So I give him a 1099 if he makes over 600 from one of my companies. But I have multiple companies. So I just kind of spread it out that way. But you can you can pay your kids up to 12000 They don't have to file an annual tax return. And it can be a 1099 or a W-2. Wow. Okay. So so he's working for, for you on that side. And then you can contribute to the IRA as well. Can you tell us how that works? So you can only contribute up to 6000 per year into an IRA, unless you're age 50 or older and you have a catch-up period, which you can pay an extra $1,000 per month or per year. So both of my kids put in 6000 per year into their self-directed IRAs. And then the other 6000 stays in a savings account, which they can use to buy a car with or do other investments, different things like that. So I do try to get them up to 12000 a year because it saves me as well. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And so your um, child who bought a mobile home, is that right? They bought a mobile home in the self-directed IRA? 
That's correct. That's my son who's nine. He has two mobile homes in his self-directed IRA. So uh, how did, did you uh, include him in deciding those were good assets or how did he, how much was his involvement in that? Well, I have two completely different kids. One (laughs) is thrilled about real estate and one doesn't want anything to do with it. So my son loves it. He wants to go to classes with me. He wants to learn as much as he can. He has a little notebook. He writes stuff in where we're driving by and see sell signs. He's like, hey, mommy, can we buy this house? My little girl wants nothing to do with it. She wants to be a dermatologist and hates anything about business. So (laughs) I'm hoping to turn her around. But um, so, yes, he is involved with that. I do make both of them walk the properties and listen to me talk to the sellers and different ways that we can buy it. I make both of them go over the income and expenses. If I'm on the phone with that resident, I ask if I can call them back and I try to call them back with my kids on speakerphone so they can kind of listen to that particular conversation and how that goes. So I really do try to involve Yeah, very cool. That's really great. So so when you were purchasing these particular rental properties, was it his choice? Was he like, mom, these are the ones I want? Or were you like, you should get these? Uh, how did that conversation go? Where he's a little bit younger, I try to push him towards the good <laughs> investments. Now, he thinks we can drive down the street and buy anything that has a for sale sign in the yard. Got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I'm glad that he has that mentality that he thinks that anything is, is on the table and he can purchase it. So, you know, I try to walk him through all that. And I am pushing him towards things that are cash flowing so he can build his IRA pretty quickly. Okay, so what are the rules with the rental properties in there? Are there some restrictions at all? We, like there's something about rental income, other prof- property from... You can't actually... I thought you couldn't be actively participating in it or something like that. Do you know? I mean, and we're not giving any financial advice no. over here, by the way, but um, what some of the restrictions are, are there any like things that people should know before they get these set up for their kids? So a lineal descendant cannot have anything to do with your IRA. So that means parents, grandparents, um, your kids, we can't co-mingle or do anything like that. So technically, I'm not allowed to manage either one of my kids' self-directed IRAs. Therefore, I have a manager that is on my operating agreement that does the management. You're not allowed to do any sweat equity. Okay. Interesting. Okay. No sweat. Okay. That's good to know because a lot of people who are in this industry are like, well, shoot, I'm already in the industry. I can just get them started in this and do it all for them. So they are going to need somebody else involved in it to make it work. Right. Right. Somebody that you trust that can be put on the operating agreement. That's a manager. And then the other thing that I was thinking when I was, again, so inspired by you for getting this all set up for your kids I was like, yeah, but uh, we're still trying to pay for college over here. So (laughs) if people are like, they're like, oh, yeah, I'd love to set my kids up with a retirement account because that's how you always think of an IRA is like it's a retirement account. But there are some areas where you can draw out of it before um, retirement, correct? You can. You can. So some different ways is for educational expenses. So they will pay the taxes on the earnings, but there's no 10% penalty 
to withdraw the money early. Mm. So if you can prove that it's actually going to educational expenses, that's a way that you can do that. Yeah. And I so think- then it makes it a deferred investment, right? So at the very least, you're not paying interest on it later. Um, you're not paying um, uh, taxes on the income from the years before. You're holding off on that, and then you end up paying the taxes the year that you use it for school. So at the very least, that's you got that going for you, right? Using that right. money to grow in the meantime. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a total. That's a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, have you seen any downside to it that you're like, oh, I should have thought about this, or this is more, this is a bummer to invest it in this way, in this capacity of a of an IRA um, that people should know about, or is it pretty much just been a good idea the whole time you've been doing it? I've been very blessed. So for the last 20 years that I've been doing this, it has been amazing. But, you know, I've, I've learned along the way as well. So it, it's really hard to lose on real estate. Mm-hmm. So you can really make a big return on real estate. But I also am the type that I don't like to have all my eggs in one basket. So I like to spread things around. So there are, are other things out there um, that people can invest in for their kids for education. So you've got the 529 plan, yeah. you've got Coverdale's, you can do different things like that depending on what where you are with your tax structure. Okay, so I'm um, I'm familiar with the 529. 529s, but what's the cover, what did you say Coverdale? Coverdale? It's a Coverdale. What, what is that? The only thing, well, I don't really like Coverdale's. I'm pro self-directed IRAs. Okay, tell us IRAs. why. But, <laughs> well, for, Coverdale's, you can only put in up to $2,000 a year yeah. contribution limit. And there are certain income restrictions that you can have, and it varies by state, so each state's different. But for self-directed IRAs, you can make 30 40% return on your money if you know what you're doing. These other ones, you're making 5 and 10% on your yeah. money. So it's just how big of a risk are you willing to take, and I'm a big risk taker. Especially when it's the kids and they're so young, there's so much upside. I mean, they have so much time, you know. Yeah, time is definitely on their side. And that's why this is such a gift that you're giving them is because they do have time on their side. And we know about compound interest. What was it that um, Einstein said? It was like the number one universal law that he thought was like the most impressive. I'm probably ruining that. It was compound interest. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. At at any rate. At any rate, you're really getting them in on that front end so that when they're older, maybe they have more opportunities than you and I had, you know, or, you know, right? Setting them up. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. My parents begged me not to buy my first mobile home park. Credit was everything. They didn't want me to ruin my credit that early. So I'm so glad I didn't listen to them and I continued to do what I was doing. But yes, I'm I'm definitely trying to give my kids a, a better future. And that's a thing about parents, um, and I'm a parent, so I'm not digging on parents, but I think generally speaking, and I've even seen myself do this, but we want what's safest for our kids more sometimes more than we want what's best for them because Mm. we're really concerned about the downside because there's nothing more painful than watching your kid fall or, you know, have a, a rough spot. And so we try to overly protect them from those life experiences and thereby sometimes give bad advice about risk-taking, you know? Right. 
And, right. and so what you're doing is kind of not the opposite, because I don't think you're putting your kids in a risky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. very careless of you. That's no, okay. you're, but you're accepting reasonable risks on behalf of your kids so that they can have a better future. I think it's a really it's a it's an important lesson for parents to remember to allow and promote that. Well, and even to go into the future or having had an opportunity to read a profit and loss statement or have some understanding of what a cash flow report might do or a balance sheet, what that's got to put those kids in such a higher bracket of potential that, I mean, most people, most kids that we know, I don't think I've ever even heard of a P&L. Yeah, I, I really you know. think that you're setting them up. Even if your daughter doesn't want anything to do with real estate and she wants to be a dermatologist, which, by the way, is a freaking fantastic job, but yes. she may decide <laughs> that she wants to be a, uh, you know, own her own practice. And you're setting her up with the skills to have the confidence to do that. Well, right. yeah, our daughters, they, they, you know, through osmosis and actually some coaching. They are picking up on these little things of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And I kind of think that they're interested. I think that they might kind of go down that path because, like for my case, I had no idea what that was. Uh, you know, being a businessman to me meant like running Xerox or or, you know, or something, <laughs> something like that. It wasn't, oh, you just can be good at something and start selling it to other people. Uh, you can even be a, a property management industry um, podcast producer. That, <laughs> that kind of nuance. That. Yeah, and, uh, and make a go of it. Make it work. So, and them having that understanding of financials has got to be a huge leg up. As a as a parent, have you witnessed your kids utilize some of the skills, like even just talking to other adults, and you can hear maybe some of the conversations that you've had in front of them, you can hear them mimicking you? Do you have a Oh, yes, definitely. So cute? they have an allowance sheet um, that they have, and they try to get more money and bargain with me on different things. Like they get paid a dollar or two to do a load of clothes. And they're like, well, this is a big load. Let me get $3 for doing it. So even at home, they're trying to do stuff like that. And they realize that their time is worth more. Oh, oh, that's really, that's really great. So um, if you had any recommendations for parents uh who are entrepreneurial or trying to raise their kids to be kind of business savvy, what would be the number one thing that you would recommend? Don't push it on them. I feel like mm. I push it on my daughter too much and that's why she's kind of against it now. And then I didn't do as much with my son and I can see the difference between the two of them and everybody's different. You know, some people just don't want to be an entrepreneur and I get that. I just don't want them to have to, to work a nine to five and, and live paycheck to paycheck. So I'm doing little things like cash flow for life for kids. That's a little board game and it teaches them cash flow. Oh, wow. and like that. What's that one called? And cash flow for kit for life for kids i think is what our cash flow for kids something cash flow that's cool it's a little board game yeah so i play that that's fun and i play i played a game like that it was a cash flow game for executives at a company i worked for called kuninagle and it was a huge i learned a ton playing that game like just part of it just stuck like the logic i loved yeah. that game does it, do your kids well, like the game? 
Monopoly. Oh, I love it. Monopoly was my favorite game. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it's kind of like Monopoly. And it, it, it teaches them. It, yeah, they, they do like playing that. And then every once in a while, I'll get them a different book. And sometimes they'll read 10 or 15 pages. Sometimes they'll read the whole thing. But at least teaching them to read and learn from others and go to classes whenever kids are allowed to come to classes. Pete Fortunato is amazing. Um, they just did a class. What is, I was able to bring kids to. what is it called? Pete Fortunato okay. is, um, he teaches classes, real estate classes, and he will do some with kids. And this last one was in Florida. And he's just, he's amazing. He, he knows a lot of stuff and, and likes to talk to kids and likes to help them. But, you know, he teaches to adults too. But so I just, I just try to surround them with people like that. Okay. So you're surrounding your kids with people who are knowledgeable and um, you believe in like pulling them towards you, but not pushing them into it, like put, giving them circumstances where they can uh, watch an interaction or be part of an interaction. So it kind of comes through osmosis as, a, as opposed to pushing them. That would be your advice. Yes, ma'am. All See, right. I'm more the do it because I told you to, damn it. Because <laughs> it, I told you to, damn it. Didn't that work so well? Yeah, yeah. It's it works like, really well. I mean, not yet. Not yet. I will say it's taken a long time, but I'm sure it's right around the corner. Uh, <laughs> How old are your kids? 13 and 14. Oh, okay. So they're prime for telling what to do. They, <laughs> well, oh, they're just ready to do anything and, we ask them to. And I was just say, thinking with your daughter, it's just kind of maybe the age that she's in that yeah. she doesn't want to, you know, that that individuation period where they're like, I'm not like you, I'm different. And she might yes. come back to it later, you know, when that, that developmental stage is over. Yeah. So she, this summer she was supposed to help me work in my office because she does really great with rent manager, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah okay. She loves rent manager. Um, so she helps me in the office. She started last year working in the summer. Well, this summer she's decided she wants to be a lifeguard. Oh. So I'm going to let her do her own thing, but that means she has less money to invest because she can only make up to 12000 a year. So she's going to have to take her paychecks. She wants to spend them on clothes and makeup, so I will let her do that, but she'll not be able to invest her whole 12000 So that'll be good to be able to show the difference between what her IRA is doing compared to my son's who's investing all of his yeah. income. Yes. I do think that that comparison, our kids have small uh, stock investment accounts and they picked different stocks and one's doing better than the other. And there is, it's, it's kind of important to have that kind of op opportunity cost built in because it's real life. And it does make them focus more on being successful with money and investing. At least some uh, them to understand that the decisions are of some consequence. Yeah. 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 And like your daughter, I mean, so she'll learn that. You'll, she'll have a realistic uh, view of what was possible, what happened. And she's so young learning that lesson at, what did you say she was, 15? 15. 15. I mean, that's not too bad of a, a lesson to learn at 15. You know, no. some people learn that in their 20s. Oh, yeah. So, or never. 
<laughs> or never. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, thank you, Miranda. This was so enlightening and you really did inspire me. I was telling my kids last night, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to talk to somebody about uh, how to do self-directed IRAs and purchasing rental properties. And again, one of our daughters was really interested in it and the other one was lukewarm on it. Uh, but you just mm-hmm. opened my mind to so many more possibilities. It's really interesting. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. Hey, great to see you. We'll see you. We'll see you at a conference, I'm sure. I'm sure. We'll see you. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Once again, Bootstrappers is brought to you by Anaquim. Anaquim has the best virtual assistants on the market. Go to anaquim.net today and set up a discovery call. This is the Bootstrapper Show for Property Management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business.